This is our last sermon in our Freedom Series, and it's entitled, The Freedom to Risk It All. Now, some of you may be familiar with a card game called Texas Hold'em. Now, anybody want to admit right up front that you play this game? After all, it's poker, and poker is associated with gambling. Well, no judgment here, because poker can be played with chips as well as money. So if you're a novice, this is how it works. If you're in the game and you have chips or money, you have three moves. You can fold and say, I'm just out. You can call, which means to place an amount of chips in the pot equal to the previous bet. Or you can raise and you can go in on the bid. But there's one other move. The first three are very common, but there's one other move and occasionally you should make this very bold, very risky kind of move. And that's a move called all-in. Now, this move, all-in, is very, very risky. But if you take the move, it can have a huge payoff. Well, today, what we want to talk about is in life. How do you know when you should go all-in? When you should risk it all? Jesus said, if you want to get the biggest reward in life, you have to take the biggest risk. There are times when he wants us to go all in. You can't pass, you can't fold, you have to do something. So take a look at the top of your notes, your memory verse from Luke 19, verse 26. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what he has will be taken away. So I'm going to give you the moral of the story right now. You don't even have to wait till the end of the sermon. Here it is. Risk your life and get more than you ever dreamed. Play it safe and end up holding the bag. Did you catch that? If you play it safe, what will happen to you? You end up holding the bag. Now, I don't think there was Texas Hold'em back in Jesus' day, but what an image. If you get to the end of your life and all you've ever done is play it safe, you end up holding the bag. You still have chips to play, and what are you going to do with them? Remember, you can't take it with you, so now what? You still have opportunity in the bag. And there you are, instead of living a life to the fullness that God wants you to live, instead of living the abundant life, you still have all these chips you never used, all these wasted opportunities. So I don't know about you, but when I reach the end of my life, I want to have given it my all. I want to be all in. I don't want to leave anything on the table. But if you do risk your life, then what? Well, you get more than you ever dreamed. You throw in all your chips and you get the entire pot in return. You see, if you don't risk your chips, there's no payout at the end. If you play it safe all your life and never step out of your comfort zone, you never make the big decisions, you aren't going to get all that life has to offer. But if you want to get a life that is more than you ever dreamed, step out and take some risks. 
Now, obviously, Jesus is not talking about taking foolish risks. I mean, there are some risks that you can take in life that are very, very foolish. Let's take money, for example. You don't want to take foolish risks with your money. So no get-rich-quick schemes, nothing that's too good to be true, nothing that risks your entire portfolio. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to preach to you today about how to spend your money, except to remind you of the number one principle of stewardship, which is, it's not your money. It all belongs to God. So, before you risk it, just ask yourself first, what would be the God-honoring choice for this money? Nor do you want to take foolish risks with your relationships like engaging in premarital sex or having an affair with someone who's not your wife or husband or neglecting your children. Those are foolish risks. And you don't want to take foolish risks with your integrity. You want to invest in that. You want to build on that. You don't want to put it on the line for a whim. And you don't want to take foolish risks with your health or safety. You know, when I was in my early 20s, I bought a new Trans Am and foolishly raced it to impress a young lady that I was trying to date at the time. I mean, I risked my life, and she still wouldn't go out with me. <laughs> so there are foolish risks in a lot of us. When we think of risks, that's all we think of. But when Jesus is talking about risk here, he's talking about godly risks. He's talking about the kind of risk that's going to grow you, that's going to stretch you, that's going to bring you into a closer relationship with the Lord. Risks that are going to make an eternal difference in your life and others. As Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? And so anyone who would follow Jesus must be a risk taker. It's as simple as that. Christians are risk takers. Now let's turn to the parable where Jesus makes this truth abundantly clear. In Luke chapter 19, the parable is very similar to the parable of the talents, but it has a few different nuances, so let's take a look at the story. Jesus' story is about a master who gave the same amount of money to several of his servants before he went away on a trip. Each was given one mina, which is about three months' wages, which is a significant amount of money. Now, when the master returned, the first servant had turned the one mina into ten. The second servant produced five more, but the third servant hid the money in a cloth. So, when the master returned, that servant brought the same mina and presented it to him. And, of course, the master was highly displeased. He took that one mina and he gave it to the servant who already had ten. And then he cast the one minor man into a place of misery. 
So that we understand the meaning, let me quickly explain the particulars so we can then get to the lessons to be learned. First, the man of noble birth is Jesus. The distant country is heaven. The man's return is judgment day, and the mina signifies not a talent, as in the parable of the talents, but the mina is the word of God. So what do we learn? First, God expects much of us. In verse 21, the, fir- the servant says to the master, I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. The master does not dispute that description of himself. The master represents God who is hard in this sense. God holds his servants, meaning me and you, accountable to high standards. God expects all of us to be faithful and fruitful. Now, the primary definition of fruitfulness in the New Testament means growth by the conversion of unbelievers. We're expected to be fruitful and multiply, but not in the sense of Genesis chapter 1, where Adam and Eve were to populate the earth, which, by the way, used to be the Lutheran method of church growth just have lots of babies that we would then baptize. No, we're expected to be fruitful, to convert unbelievers. But here's the good news. The mina does all the work. The gospel does all the work. Look, each servant said, here your mina produced ten more, or your mina produced five more. Hey, God is hard but he doesn't expect the unreasonable or the impossible. He has complete confidence in the gospel and all those who would invest in it. In fact, Jesus' confidence in us is startling, mind-boggling even, to an unreliable band of about 120 disciples 2,000 years ago. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. And today there are about two billion of them. Now that's some amazing confidence. God simply expects us to be faithful, and he promises that he will produce the fruit. After all, Jesus said, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. God expects us to be faithful and to be fruitful. What he doesn't expect is for us to make excuses, like saying, I'm too young, or I'm too old, or I'm too busy, or I can't serve, or I don't have any talents, or that's too risky. Risk-taking is mandatory for Christians. And so the master said to the one minor man, At least you could have put my money in the bank and earned me a little interest. (laughs) It's not exactly a ringing endorsement of putting your money in the bank, is it? No, the implication is that there are lots of other investments that perhaps could have brought a higher return, but with greater risk. The point has nothing to do with money in banks. The point is that we must not fear risk. 
You know, for many centuries on the eastern coast of France, there was a Roman Catholic abbey called Our Lady of the Risk. Now, why would they choose a name like that? Well, because they appreciated the enormous risk taken by the Virgin Mary when she agreed to be the mother of the Messiah. This Hebrew teenager lived in a society that at worst would stone an unmarried pregnant woman and at best would shun her and have nothing to do with her. Nevertheless, she was willing to risk it all for her Lord. She was willing to be faithful and allow God to produce the fruit. Another individual who risked life and limb literally was the Apostle Paul. After persecuting Christians for the first part of his life, after his conversion, well, he aroused a lot of suspicion among his new brothers in Christ, and even downright hatred from his former Jewish friends. And so he was imprisoned, he was beaten, he was stoned, and he was chased for much of his adult life. And yet he considered no risk, even death, too great for the gospel. Jesus never said that the kingdom of God was like a man reclining in his easy chair. Rather, Jesus compared the kingdom to one willing to take risks in the marketplace of life. Jesus urged the necessity of risk-taking for the sake of the church and for the sake of the kingdom. And so today, risk-taking is still required of all Christians. You know, I'm really proud of Emmanuel, and for a lot of different reasons. One of them is that we're willing to take some risks. You know, for the past 50 years, our denomination has steadily lost members. And I'm convinced that the Missouri Synod's trouble is that she has lost a sense of urgency about reaching unchurched people for Christ. You see, for most churches, it's all about the status quo. But for us at Emmanuel, we're willing to take great risk for the sake of the gospel. That's why we built a new building 10 years ago, even though we really couldn't afford it. Because we wanted to see more people in heaven saved by the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we continue to send large sums of money to the mission field today. Oh, sure, we could use it to pay off some of our mortgage here, but we want people all over the world to know Jesus as we already do. That's why we operate a Lutheran school. Though it cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, because the risk is worth the reward of seeing families connected to the body of Christ. Let me ask you, what are you willing to risk? What are you willing to risk for God, for the kingdom, for the church, for the abundant life? Once you've gotten to know another person, are you willing to ask that person if she or he has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Oh, I know it involves some risk. The person might take offense, but it's not likely. Rather, the person will probably say, well, no, can you, can you help me start one? And then you're simply prepared to tell a brief version of the story of Jesus, 
how he died on the cross, how he loved us so much that he gave up everything for us. And simply putting one's trust in him allows you to be his child as well. As the Bible tells us, we must always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. I know it's risky, but being chosen by God is also an awesome responsibility. Some of you may remember in The Lord of the Rings, Frodo asks Gandalf, why was I chosen? And Gandalf replies, such questions cannot be answered. You may be sure that it was not for any merit that others do not possess, but you have been chosen and you must therefore use such strength and heart and wits as you have. My friends, God has chosen you and all he asks is that you be faithful that all of us use the talents and, and abilities that we have, but mostly that we might be willing to just share the gospel. And you know what? He'll take care of the fruit. Yes, there's risk involved. But the good news is that when we are willing to risk for the gospel, we always get more than we have ever dreamed. Not only are we blessed with an eternal and joy-filled relationship with God, but we have the added joy of knowing that we have been used by God to bless other lives as well. When it comes to following Christ, there's only one strategy that works, and that's to be all in. May God grant it to you. For Jesus' sake, amen.